Come gather, come gather, friends, close by the fire, and hear of a wondrous tale, of goblins and elves and miscoated dells, and heroes who strive to prevail. The Harrow Hall Inn was packed to the brim, the patrons all merry and glad. Ale mugs were filled, people racked up high bills, there wasn't a seat to be had. You're listening to Alley Odds and the Alley Odds Squad by Leona Cara. Chapter 15 To Tell a Tale. eyes in the hall turned towards me when I entered, and the room hushed to a murmur. I froze for a moment, startled by the attention. But I shook it off, and wandered over to the bar. Behind the counter, Tarver was busy filling mugs and ladling soup into bowls. Kilia flitted between tables, placing the bowls and loaves of bread before the Harrow Hall's hungry patrons. Quinn, thankfully, was nowhere in sight. I stood awkwardly by the bar for a moment, unsure of what to do with myself. I felt strangely shy. Tarver and Kilia were the only people I knew, and they were far too busy to keep me company, nor was that their duty. Several folks were still eyeing me with curiosity. Why were they doing that? My palms grew sweaty, and my chest grew tight. I stared at my sleeves as if I'd just discovered they were on my arms, and felt my cheeks turning red. After all I'd gone through since leaving home, I was daunted by a room full of strangers. What the heck was that about? I considered grabbing a bowl of soup and making a run for it, but before I could, a voice behind me said, You can sit here if you like. I turned around to face a young boy with curly brown hair and three missing teeth. His face was round and curious, and there was a playful gleam in his eye that reminded me of Leif. He sat at a table with three adults, a pale-faced man with a distinct puff of orange hair and an equally fluffy orange beard, and two women, one with wild, bouncy black-brown hair and broad, sturdy shoulders, and the other a lithe, sharp-jawed woman with wavy dark hair salted with strands of silver. I realized they were the family I'd seen walking out of the hall that afternoon, just after I'd woken up. All of them smiled at me and gestured to the open seat on the bench beside the child. Sit your buns down, sweetheart. Waldy, make room. The child scooted closer to the woman with the salted black hair, and I sat down beside him. Hi. Welcome, friend. Thanks. Uh, the, the place is really packed tonight, huh? Sure is. Good thing, too. We're about to lay down some sweet, sweet song medicine on these folks. Some what? Song medicine. It's what we do. Like, you sing? Yeah. Songs from the heart, you know? Songs that come through us that we offer as healing. We're pretty much the best guys. Is that right? Yeah, I'm Waldy. I'm six years old. Last year I was five, but now I'm six. So that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I'm Allie. Allie Odds. I'm 17. I was 16 last year, but now I'm 17. Wow, you're old. Dang, if she's old, then I'm ancient. I'm Yam, by the way. The man with the fluffy orange hair reached out a hand, and I shook it awkwardly with my working arm. Then the wild-haired woman reached out her hand, and I noticed there were tattoos all along her arm. Yin, nice to meet you, Allie. Yin, nice to meet you too. And then the salted-haired woman smiled and reached across the table. I'm Jess. Hi, Jess. And together, we are called Earth Practice. Ta-da! Wow. So you're like, traveling bards, then? You could say that. 
Our little song family sung just about everywhere in Quib. As far south as the Great Forest and all the way past Haventown, the whole spread. We go wherever we want, get paid by the kindness in people's hearts, and meet all sorts of swell people, just like you. Golly, these people were so friendly, I felt my shyness melting away like snow in the spring. So what's your story, love? Based on how everyone stared at you when you entered the room, either you're not from around here, or you are, and you've really done something. No, no, I, I'm from Frivelshire, south of here by a few weeks. Honestly, I'm not really sure why everyone is staring at me at this point. Because you're the talk of the town, dear. Kilia swept up behind us and set down two bowls of soup and a loaf of bread. She continued on in a voice far louder than was necessary. Ali here has been hunting down Joe and Graham, believe it or not. And she dragged a bloody elf out to the forest last night. Out to the haunted woods itself. Saved the woman's life. You're breaking bread with a real-life hero here, folks. I'll be back in a flash with the rest. Kilia shot me a proud wink and wound her way back to the bar. As she left, I noticed that most patrons of the inn were once again staring in my direction. And it struck me. Had Kilia and Harvard deliberately told people I was here to bring in more business? I found the thought discomforting at first. I didn't like the idea of being used as a showpiece, especially when it wasn't my idea. But I acknowledged that helping them earn a few more coppers was the least I could do after all their efforts to help me and Trenia. Their generosity had saved both our lives. I owed them, big time. So after Kilia returned with soup and ale enough for our entire table, I shared my story with Yin, and Yam, and Jess, and Waldy, and every eavesdropping ear in the joint. Well, I began, my hands shaking from all the attention. I set out from home two turns ago, with nothing but a satchel, a dagger, some food, and my friend, Granbauer. Now, Granbauer wasn't just any friend. He was my best friend. And he was a goat. Waldy and several others laughed. Wait, 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 wait. A goat? Yes, sir. Friends come in all shapes and sizes, as it turns out. And there was none better than Granbauer. We left Fribbleshire on the first real day of spring, when the rains finally let up. And we walked and walked and walked through the village of Grossick and on towards the town of Hamilt. But before we could find Hamilt, it grew dark. Granbauer and I made camp on the side of the road and fell asleep beneath the stars. But not long after full dark, we awoke to a strange sound and a stranger sight. Ghosts. Ghosts? Yes, ghosts. Swirling phantoms of mist, colder than death itself. It was clear by this point that the entire room was listening to my tale. I'd never told a story to a large group of people before, but no one was yawning yet, and that seemed promising. Being the focal point of the whole inn was nerve-wracking, but it was also exciting. The energy and attention of my listeners called forth a charisma I didn't know I had, and I allowed myself to gesture and emote with a liveliness that surprised even me. When I got to the part of Joe and Graham's betrayal, the whole room gasped and groaned. They'd taken Granbauer. Everyone was outraged. I told them about getting arrested and going to jail, and about Grint and the Eternal Soul, and about the sisters at the old man's gimmick. I told them about my scuffle with the guard before the castle gates, and how I was saved from unjust violence by the beggar woman. I told them about meeting Trenia at the Stinky Boot, but I left out all the personal stuff about her being drunk and running away from home and whatnot. <laughs> I swept away as I was with the story. I hadn't forgotten where I was. 
I skipped over just about everything to do with Theron and the Nervanga, but questions abounded once I revealed that I had indeed been staying in the Elfwoods of Beleth. What, you went in there? Into the haunted wood? Well, it's not haunted. It's beautiful. Although the guard is terrifying. That's the magical boundary that keeps people out who don't have the Nervanga's blessing. And you got their blessing? I did. Just barely, I thought to myself. Corblimey, you must be the first human to go in and come out alive since the mine's closed. I, I think you're right. Maybe, I said. I knew that I wasn't, but Laurel's name was a bit of a no-no in Harrow Delph. The room filled with mutterings of, Did you ever know someone who went in? Not that I can recall. What about Hotem's boy? Went in once, didn't he? None's for certain. The boy never came back. Anywho, I continued, when I came out of Beleth, I went in search of Joe and Graham's hideout, which was a dark cave deep in the forest, just south of Harrowdelf. It didn't sound like anyone was there, so I drew my dagger, and slowly, oh, so slowly, I crept inside. And I had them again. Wow! Oh, it was wild playing the energy of the crowd! It reminded me of sword training, and how good it felt when I lined up just the right combo of parries and blocks to keep a spar going with Trenia. But this was easier, and in some ways, more fun. I reenacted my slow crawl from the ruins of Joe and Graham's traps, and showed off my various injuries and bandages. But then, I didn't really know what to say. Once I reached Harrowdelph, the story wasn't just mine anymore. Trenia, Laurel... Even Quinn's story was wrapped up in all of this. I looked up to see Quinn standing behind the bar, beside his parents, watching me like a wolf caught in a trap. His gaze was at once threatening and heartbreaking, as if he was daring me to say something that might sink me further in his esteem, while also begging me to paint him well should his part in my story be revealed. He looked so helpless, so terrified. I had the power to divulge his deepest wounds to the entire town, with a single word, I could make his life a living nightmare once again. Though I was still mad at him for what he'd said that afternoon, it stirred every drop of pity in my heart to see him so vulnerable. What did he say? I don't care what happened. Though it wasn't fully fair, since he was all but captive behind the bar, I realized I had a chance to tell Quinn what happened with the entire town of Harrowdelf acting as a buffer of civility. Did you die? My attention snapped back to Waldy, and to the rest of the patrons who were waiting for me to continue. Did I die? No. But you stopped talking! Usually when people stop talking in a story, that means they're dead. And you told us that ghosts are real, so I don't know. Those are fair points. <laughs> but no, I'm not dead. Though I might have been if not for the kindness and care of our gracious hosts. I raised my mug of ale towards Kilia, Tarver, and Quinn behind the bar. They fed me, clothed me, healed me, and cared for me. A toast. To the Olmswitz. To the Olmswitz! The bottom of many a mug saw the ceiling, and Kilia and Tarver accepted their praise with grace. Quinn wandered around the hall with a pitcher of ale to fill what needed filling, as I told on. Now... I stayed in Harrow Delth for a few days last week, recovering from my injuries. I saw her! Me too! Yes, I was able to get on my feet after a long day of rest and- Remember that dress she had on there? Burned into my mind, darling. What a garment! It certainly was, yes. But I couldn't stay in town for long. 
I had to meet my friend, Trenia. The elf I came here with. You see, Trenia was in a bit of a spat with her tribe. She had fallen in love with a human. Quinn spilled the ale he was pouring, and it splattered atop the table. Steady on! Sorry! Quinn grabbed the rag on his shoulder and wiped up the puddle of ale with a shaking hand. Yes, I continued. She had fallen in love with a human. But this is forbidden by the Nervanga of Valeth. Humans and elves aren't supposed to fall in love. Why not? That's a really good question, Waldy. I wish I could answer it, but fall in love they did. Quinn returned to his spot behind the bar and gripped the counter, shaking. I could feel the heat of his glare on me without looking. They had to keep it secret, of course, since Trenia's tribe didn't approve. <laughs> I can't imagine how hard that would be. To lie about one of the happiest things in your life because your community tells you it's wrong. To be judged and scorned just for loving someone. It's heartbreaking, isn't it? Several of the patrons bowed their heads and nodded. Perhaps one or two of them thought upon Harrodelth's treatment of Laurel. But since no one but Quinn had any notion that Laurel's was in fact the story I was telling, the crowd's perceived distance from such discrimination allowed them to agree. It was sad. I carried on. Trenia and this human were together for several years. But since Trenia's tribe continued to disapprove, no matter what she said, eventually they broke it off. Trenia knew her partner had a chance for love back in their own village, a chance to live a full life, away from the shadow of secrets. She wanted her partner to be happy. I looked over at Quinn. She wanted everyone to be happy. So they said goodbye and wished each other well. Ugh, enough of this mushy stuff. When is she going to get shot? Waldy! What? I heard she got shot. Yes, Waldy, she did. We'll get there in a minute. After Trenia and this human parted ways, they still missed each other. They still loved each other. They still wanted to be together. So Trenia ran away from her tribe to start a new life with her lover. But when she got to their village, they were gone. What? He wasn't there? Exactly! He wasn't there! I took the man's offering as an invitation to steer the crowd away from any suspicions that I was actually talking about Laurel. Because apparently... His village didn't like that he was with Trenia either. Not because she was an elf, but because of some other reason I can't fully remember right now. In fact, they were so angry about it that they tied him to a post and lashed him in the streets. Well, that's funny. Something similar happened around here a few months ago, but for completely different reasons, of course. Our girl deserved to be whipped. My face twitched as I held back my reaction. The lady sitting beside the woman gave her a quick slap on the arm. Mind where you are, Mildred. Poor family's been through enough without you reminding them. The lady raised her mug and shot a supportive smile at the Olmswitz, who all looked mortified. But anyways, I said, calling attention away from the family and back to the tale. Trinia was heartbroken when she found that her lover had left without a word. I met her shortly after that, and we began traveling together. She decided to return to Beleth, to try to repair things with her tribe and I agreed to go with her. But the Nervanga weren't too pleased by that, since I'm a human. Their custom of guest rights allowed me to stay for a quarter turn, seven nights, but many people in Trenia's tribe were unhappy about it. So unhappy, in fact, that I left for a while to avoid the tension and set off in search of Joe and Graham. But before I left, I promised Trenia I'd come back, either to meet up with her in case she chose to leave and search for Grandbauer with me, or to say goodbye if she decided to stay with her family. 
So once I was healed here in Harrowdelf, I returned to Beleth. I paused for a moment then, uncertain how to go about the next part of my story. Should I talk about Rock and Pond? About the letter and the ring? I didn't trust myself not to slip up and say something about Laurel if I did. And the whole point of telling this story was to get Quinn to empathize with Trenia, not to rub their relationship in his face. To make a long story short, on my last night in Beleth, an elf in Trenia's tribe drew his bow on me. He had hated Trenia's relationship with that other human, and also hated me. This elf had lied to her, deceived her, and betrayed her in order to keep her away from her lover, which Trenia only discovered last night. That's when he tried to shoot me. And then she killed him before he could take a second shot. Gasps filled the room as images of Theron's sinister smile overtook me, and I fell into a part of the story that no one else could see. So she did get shot. Waldy's voice snapped me back to the present once again. Yes, I said, my tone suddenly grave and quiet. It was really scary. Probably the scariest moment of my life. There was an arrow in her chest. There was blood everywhere. I thought she would die. I dragged her out of the woods all the way to Harrowdelph, and I brought her here, to Kilia and Quinn. I looked over at Kilia, who was listening with a hand upon her heart, clearly stirred by all Trenia and I had gone through. Thank you, I said. She nodded. Then I looked over at Quinn, but his eyes were fixed on something across the hall. I followed his gaze, wondering what on earth had distracted him from the climax of my tale, and <gasps> oh, I saw Trinia leaning against the doorframe by the hallway. Sweet sassafras, how long had she been standing there? She wore my green woolen vest over her wrappings and stared right back at Quinn. Her gaze was unwavering, but not unkind. In fact, her brown eyes held a gentleness I'd rarely seen. I looked back at Quinn and was surprised to see tears rolling down his otherwise impassive face. What well of feeling they came from, I didn't know. But clearly, something had shifted in him. Waldy tugged on my sleeve. Is that the end, then? Is it over? Yes. For now. The rest is being written. Aw, oh, man. There weren't even any dragons or anything. <laughs> Maybe there will be someday. Based off the last few months, I wouldn't be surprised. There was a moment of silence as the story sank in. The whole room seemed to take a breath, and then someone began to clap. Soon everyone in the inn was applauding. Everyone but Quinn, who had disappeared from behind the bar, and Trenia, whose stoic expression I could not read. Thank you, Ellie dear. What a tale, my friend. What a time. And lucky for you all, there's more to be heard this evening. A family of minstrels is lodging with us tonight, and from what I heard this afternoon, you're in for a real treat. Coming right up, my friend. The hall grew lively with shuffling bodies. People heading to the bar, people stepping outside for a stretch, people popping over to a friend's table to say hello. Generally, people peopling, as they do. I, for one, rose from my seat and headed towards Trenia, where she stood in the doorframe. Several people came up to me as I walked, with comments about my story or asking to shake my hand. And by the time I got through to Trenia, she too was surrounded by curious patrons asking questions about our adventures. She wasn't nearly as excited to answer as those who were asking, so I put a hand on her arm and said, Let's get some fresh air, huh? Excuse us. We wove through the crowded hall and were greeted by a welcome wall of cool evening air as soon as we passed through the doors. Whew! 
I hadn't realized how warm the hall had grown, with so many people packed in there, and my armpits were sweaty, sweaty, sweaty from the effort it took to tell my tale. I fanned my shirt out at the hem to air things out, and we walked out of earshot from the other folks who had stepped outside. <sighs> the sun had just set beyond the western hills, and the last of the sky's orange was slowly growing purple dim. I turned to Trenia, who smiled as bats swept down from the Harrow Hall's rafters and darted after midges. I stepped closer to her, still fanning myself. So, how much did you hear? I walked in when you were crawling out from the rocks and showing Graham's lair. Very dramatic, that. And well acted. <sighs> yeah, I, I got pretty carried away there. You're quite the storyteller. Oh, psh. I waved a hand at her. Truly. There were moments when I forgot the trenia in your story was me. My stomach clenched. I hope it was okay, what I said. I tried to keep it vague and heroic, but... It, it got really personal there. I said a lot of stuff that wasn't really mine to say. You told a room full of strangers things I've never told a soul. Yep, she was angry. And she had every right to be. I I'm sorry, Trenia. I, I shouldn't have- I'm glad you did. What? You're not angry? Well, I did feel angry at first. It felt like all of Harrowdelth was seeing me without my clothes on. I didn't give you permission to tell my story. And I was terrified you'd mention Laurel, or, or say something that put us on the run again. But I see now that my story and your story have crossed in a way that makes them impossible to separate. How could you explain your experiences without tapping into mine? I, I should have just shut up. I got too caught up trying to make a point to Quinn, and I did something that made you uncomfortable. That wasn't okay. No, it wasn't. And I thank you for your apology. But there's also something in me that can't find fault with someone for telling the truth. But I didn't. Not all the way. I mean, I told them you had a human boyfriend. And I very much look forward to meeting him. But no, it's... how to explain. Perhaps the most painful thing about my relationship with Laurel is that it was never acknowledged. It existed, certainly. But it wasn't allowed to exist in the minds of anyone else. Our joys... Our hopes, our pains, our fears, our sadness. We never got to be honest about any of it. The very truth of what we were remained in shadow, and the lie became our lives. Lies are heavy things, Ali. So very heavy. But when you shared what you did tonight, some of that weight fell away. Though the full truth is still secret. Back there in that hall was the first time since meeting Laurel that my story has been acknowledged at all. Trenia did look lighter somehow. Despite her disheveled hair and bandaged shoulder, there was a brightness to her that I hadn't seen before. I still felt bad, but it seemed Trenia truly didn't. Well then, I, I'm glad I could help. I hope Quinn took it as well as you did. I saw him crying at the end there. You offered him the truth, Ali. It's not your fault if he can't accept it. <sighs> I guess not. Suddenly, I noticed Trenia's eyes grow dark and her voice dropped to a whisper. Did they truly whip her? Yes. Trenia's jaw clenched, and she kicked angrily at the dirt. Did you learn more from Quinn that I don't know? I considered for a moment, and remembered several things Quinn had told me in confidence. Yes, I said. But some of those things really should come from him. And frankly, most of what you need to know should come from Laurel. Same with Quinn. I, I don't think she was honest with him about a lot of things. Heck, from the sound of it, I don't think she was very honest with herself. What do you mean? 
Before I could answer, a song carried out from the open doors of the Harrow Hall. Take time with your own heart. Those voices. Take time with your own heart. I knew those voices. Take time with your own heart. With your own heart, take time. My dream about the candle song. Had I dreamt it? Or had I heard it while I slept? Trenia saw my confused excitement. She put a hand on my back and walked me towards the inn. Let's go listen. We'll have plenty of time to talk on the road. I stopped in my tracks. You're coming with me? Grand Bauer isn't going to save himself now, is he? <gasps> really? Oh my gosh! Wow! Really? I was so elated, I literally skipped with joy! Which reminded me, once again, that I had several bruised ribs and a broken arm. Ow! But holy Huckleberry! Oh, the squad was actually coming together! A real-life warrior was agreeing to help me take on real-life bandits and save Grand Bauer. Well, we could have more than one fighter on the squad, right? Well, heck, it was probably better that we did. And who knew when we'd find the stealther and the maker and the thinker and the talker and wow! It felt like anything was possible. We walked back into the crowded Harrow Hall and stood just inside the doorway. My smile was wide for the whole room to see. Yin, Yam, Jess, and Waldy were gathered by a wall where several tables had been moved to create a little stage. Waldy adorned his father's shoulders, and the four of them sang with all their heart. Take time with your own heart. Take time with your own heart. Take time with your own heart. With your own heart, take time. Take time with your own heart. Take time with your own heart. Take time with your own heart, with your own heart, take time. And it's okay to feel pain, it's okay to feel. It's okay to feel pain, it's okay to feel. It's okay to feel pain. It's okay to feel. It's okay to feel pain. It's okay to feel. There's light in your own heart. There's light in your own heart. There's light in your own heart. In your own heart, there's light. There's light in your own heart. 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 In your own heart, there's light. When the song finished, the hall broke into applause. In the brief break, two folks sitting at the bar waved to me and Trenia and offered their stools so we could sit. I shook my head and waved away their offer. Where would they sit? The hall was packed. But Trenia strode across the room to the now empty stools, her warrior gait fully restored, and sat down with a thank you very much. I scooted across to join her, at once relieved and concerned that Quinn still hadn't returned to the bar. Was he just sitting in the back room all by himself? What was he doing? Was he okay? But my thoughts were called away from Quinn when Earth Practice began their next song. Let us first acknowledge there is pain. There is pain. 
Let us first acknowledge there is pain. There is pain. We don't have to suffer from our pain. From our pain. We don't have to suffer from our pain. From our pain. Oh, now, little by little, let go. Let go. Oh, now, little by little, let go. Let go. Let us first acknowledge there is pain. There is pain. So much pain. Let us first acknowledge there is pain. There is pain. Let we us first acknowledge from our pain. From our pain. So much pain. We Let don't have to suffer from our pain. From our pain. Let us first acknowledge from our pain. From our pain. So much pain, oh, little has to suffer from our pain, from our pain. Oh, now, little by little, let go, let go. Oh, now, little by little, let go, let go. Oh, now, little by little, let go, let go. Oh, now, little by little, let go. Let go. Once again, the room burst into applause. And then, someone burst into the room. All right, where's that little scamp? Huh? Where is she? Everyone fell silent as old Maddie shuffled into the hall. His metallic leg jangled and jostled as he hoisted himself through the crowd, which gave way before the wrath of his reddened face. He scanned the hall looking haggard and wild. A heavy smithing hammer dangled from his meaty hand. Suddenly, I remembered the last words I'd heard when I left Harrowdelf the week before. Words hurled at me by old Maddie, along with his hammer. If I ever see your face again, I'll kill you. Ah! Based on the crazed snarl on his face as he trudged across the wooden floor, it did not look like he was bluffing. Where's that little wastrel? That little rogue? I swiveled around in my stool before old Maddie could see me. <sighs> what should I do? Tarver stepped around the counter and approached the old smith. Oi, Matty, what in the name of the moon are you on about? News travels. She's here, isn't she? The one folks be calling the brave adventurer. He spat on the floor when he said the words. Aye, what of it? Well, you know who she is, don't you? What she's done. Kelia approached old Maddie and stood beside her husband. Aye, we do. In fact, you just missed her telling her entire tale, goats and all. Is that so? Did she mention the bit about running off to the woods to do goodness knows what with my daughter? Or did she leave that out? Surprise was clear on Tarver and Kelia's faces, and the room murmured with confusion. Old Maddie pointed his hammer at me. Aye, there she is, the one who sank my laurel into the mud, the one who ruined her. Trenia spun around towards me, fear and fire clear on her face. What is he talking about? I gripped her arm and began to answer, but the whole room was staring at me once again. Kilia's brow furrowed in a scrutinizing gaze. Is this true, Allie? About you and... and Laurel? 
No, it is not. I've never even met Laurel. Oh, of course. She'd say anything to save her skin. Don't believe her for a second. I know her type. See? See how she's holding that elf's arm? All snug and friendly-like. Probably sneaking off with her too, I'd wager. Queer folk that they are, elves. Kilia spoke softly, as if to herself. She was asking an awful lot about Laurel last week. Stirring up the well, as I said. Aye, and she comes around to me shop, asking questions, and then runs away like a scared dog. Paints a fishy picture now, don't it? No, no, I swear, it wasn't me, I- uh... Old Maddie slammed his hammer down on the table, spilling the ale out of every mug upon it. Enough! I want justice! I want your filthy blood to run in the streets, same as my daughter's! I want you dead. Trenia's face spasmed with anger. She could not abide such threats. She rose to her feet and reached for her sword. But her hand grasped air, and air alone. Her sword was back in our room. Her face blanched. Old Maddie's twisted smile widened at the sight of her standing stunned and helpless before him. Oh, you want to join her on the whipping post, elf? I'm sure we could make room. Trenia stood stolid and resolute. Her jaw was set, and her glare would have incinerated old Maddie, had his own eyes not possessed an equal rage. In that brief moment, all the joy, all the hope, all the dreams I had allowed myself to feel that day, disappeared. They vanished. Poof. Gone. Because I knew Trenia well enough to know she was about to do what all warriors do. She would fight for what she loved. She would fight and bleed and die in the streets of Harrowdelf as the woman who loved Laurel. And she would die knowing that for one brief moment, that truth would be free. Trenia took a deep breath in, raised her chin, and stood proud and tall as ever a person could. You have the wrong woman. I jumped to my feet and grabbed Trenia's arm. Trenia, don't! Old Natty raised his hammer and pointed it at Trenia, realization spreading across his manic face. Do I now? Aye, you do. My heart just about stopped when I heard Quinn's voice. Oh no, oh no! Quinn stepped out from the doorway of the back room and approached the scene in the center of the inn. I still couldn't tell what was behind his curtains, and I feared what he was about to unleash. He stopped before Trenia, so that he stood between her and old Maddie. He fixed his gaze on Trenia good and hard for a moment, as if he was trying to read some secret text scrawled behind her eyes. Once again, she met his gaze unflinchingly, yet gently. I grabbed her hand. I had fought beside her at the stinky boot when we first met, and so help me. I would do it again if this was to be our goodbye. She squeezed my hand in return, and together we awaited Quinn's pronouncement of her doom. Ali's not the one you want. He turned to face old Natty. But if I see the woman you're looking for, I'll let you know. What? Wait, 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 wait. What? Quinn stood calmly before Maddie, and it seemed that he had indeed said what I thought he'd said. What do you mean, boy? Of course it's her! Matty, you don't think I've wished to see the woman who ruined my life suffer as much as you do? You don't think I wanted to see her beaten and bloody for what she did? You want to see her pain, don't you? For all she's caused you? You think it'll make your pain go away? Well, it won't. As I said, if I ever see that woman, I will let you know.
Whoa! I couldn't believe it! Quinn! Yeah! My body surged with relief, as if a stream was rushing through my limbs and clearing out the built-up terror. Trenia's hand relaxed in mine, and she let out a deep breath. But old Maddie did not share our solace. He held his hammer towards Quinn. Ugh! Why won't you just tell me who the bloody gal is? It's driving me mad not knowing. It doesn't matter who she was. Of course it does. Why are you the only one who should know? Tell me. Maybe someday I'll tell you. But right now, all that matters is it's not Ali. Let it go. Let it go, eh? Fool's chance of that. I'll find this woman someday, with or without your help, boy. And you can bet she'll have my hammer before the end of it. Old Maddie glowered at Quinn with one final, fiery effort, then stormed out of the hall. Quinn was shaking, and when he turned around to look at me and Trenia, there were tears in his eyes. I stepped forward to hug him, to thank him for what he'd just done. But Kilia reached him first. She pulled her son's head to her shoulder and held him like a child woken by a nightmare. Tears fell freely from Quinn's cheeks, and his breaths came heavy. Tarver put a hand on his son's shoulder and shot me and Trenia an apologetic look. Then he scanned the hall of still silent indwellers, who were watching the five of us like a mummer's act. Show's over, friends. Back to your rails. Tarver waved an entreating hand towards Earth Practice. Another song, perhaps? Yeah, sure thing. Kilia walked Quinn back towards the bar, but Quinn peeled off and headed down the hallway. I began to follow after him, so I could thank him for what he'd just done. But Trinia pulled me back. Give him space, Ali. Give him space. But uh, I, I can't believe what he just did. I've got to thank him, as do I. More than I can say. But not now. Let him be. I stood by the bar and watched Quinn's form fade in the darkened hallway. Hmm. Just about every wound in Quinn's spirit had been agitated since Trenia and I showed up. Our presence alone had jostled the shrapnel in his heart. Gosh, my story must have felt like pliers tugging at the shards. Removing what hurts is a pain of its own, be it arrow or experience. From Quinn's display before Old Natty, it seems some of the shards had indeed been removed. Maybe Trenia was right. Maybe it was best to leave him be, and not go poking at the wounds. I returned to my seat, and suddenly remembered the ache of my own wounds. My arm throbbed, my head felt like a pincushion, and I was tired. Trenia seemed to be aching and fading as well. She yawned, and then I yawned, and then she yawned again. Bedtime? Soon, yes. One more song? Sure. All right, we hope this next one's not too on the nose, especially after everything we've heard tonight. But hopefully it brings some peace. It's about hard times and what you do when you feel like you're letting go of the things you've loved and known. It's like, I, I saw this spider spinning a web one time. And they they'll get it, they'll get it. Let's just sing. Wanna call it, Waldy? This is called the spider song. What happens when a dream we know has died? What happens when a dream's worn silent, still unrealized? What happens when a dream we know has died? Do we dream again? Can we live again? Do we dream again? Can we live again?
What happens when the love we know has gone? Like a wind that takes our breath away and steals from us our song. What happens when the love we know has gone? Do we love again? Do we sing again? Do we love again? Can we sing again? I saw a spider spinning up its brilliant web When the rain came and took it down and tore apart her But did that stop her from spinning again? Thanks for listening to Alley Odds and the Alley Odds Squad. I'm Leona Cara, and today I'd like to thank my friends and musical muses, Earth Practice. Yin, Yam, Jess, and Waldy. Yes, they're real. <laughs> it was their candle song that pulled Trinia through her darkness in chapter 14, and their songs Take Time with Your Own Heart, Four Truths, and The Spider Song were the emotional scaffolding for chapter 15. I am so, so grateful that they shared their music in this story, and I hope you are too. You can find more of their music on Patreon and Instagram. Go give them some love, because you know they'll be giving it to you. I'd also like to thank my beloved patrons on Patreon, whose support and encouragement helped make Alley Odds possible. I know that it's technically only the rainbow unicorns that get a shout out, but I am just so grateful for everybody who supported me in this process that I want to give you all some love too. So Olympia, Gus, Zion, Andy, Ginny, Alice, UJ, Sienna, Melinda, Alexandra, Max, Tracy, it's getting a rhythm to it, ain't it? Rachel, Jacob, Jenna, Elliot, Carl, Yin, Leland, Kellen, and Mama Lion.
Thank you so much. And, of course, I would like to give a special shout-out to my Rainbow Unicorn-level donors, Dr. Sunshine and Gladys Selsar. Your glittering hooves and rainbow manes are so glorious they could blind a cyclops. Thank you so very much for your generosity. Want to join the Aliad squad? Visit me on patreon.com forward slash leonacara and support the creation of more Aliads. Also, you can follow me on Instagram at leonacara. Sometimes when I come out from the rock I live under, I make uplifting posts. Yeah. So take care, friends, and I'll hope to see you around the fire for the grand finale of season one. Whoop, whoop. Chapter 16. Onward. <laughs>